Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. is Golf with Jay Delsing. A two-time All-American at UCLA. A participant in nearly 700 PGA Tour events. Seven professional wins to his credit. Over 30 years of professional golf experience. A member of the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Golf with Jay Delsing on a Sunday morning on 101 ESPN. With Jay Delsing, I'm Dan McLaughlin. And we're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios presented by Darty Business Solutions. Our guests in the next two hours, Mark Milton, STL tax lawyer. We're going to talk about the business side of golf and sports in general. UHY Prep Series will feature Jerry Haas, Belleville area native. Head coach at Wake Forest and Bob Herrick will also be our guest, longtime golf reporter at SIESPN. He has a new book out coming out on Tiger Woods. We'll get to that later in the show. But first, we say good morning on a championship NFL Sunday to Jay Delsing. Great to be with you. Hey, Danny. Good morning. Yeah, we got a we got a great sports day. We got a little blues action coming early. Then we got some football. Who are you liking in the games? I like the home teams. I like yeah. the home teams. I I. I just think it's tough to go on the road in these championship games and win. It happens all the time. So if you're a betting man, probably go against my prediction. Not that I'm a betting man. Uh-huh. But yes. I hate to sit there and root against Patrick Mahomes, man. How do you do it? He makes you so nervous. The guy makes plays. And they're not even favored in their game. I know. And uh, it was the first time that he went on the road in a playoff game was last week. First time he'd ever done that, he'll have to go on the road and they'll take on the Ravens. And then you have San Francisco hosting Detroit and all that's coming up after Blues Hockey here on 101 ESPN. They were a dog, Danny, at uh, Buffalo. Yeah. Casey was and yep. uh, played a really, really good game. That was an entertaining game, man. Wow. All right. I want to get into the business side of yeah. sports. Before we have Mark Melton, I can see him outside our studio right now and he'll join us for our second segment. But Tell us the life of a golfer on the business side of sports because people yep. say, well, Joe Blow won. He won $10 million, and he takes that all home. It doesn't take into account you're a one-man band. You're an independent contractor. Right. Your travel. Right. Uh, and, again, we're not feeling sorry for these guys or for you over the years. It's just yeah. it's more than what meets the eye on the business yeah. side of sports. Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming off the off season. So depending on, on what your con contractual stuff looks like, you, you might be renegotiating. I only had a, a two year contract twice out of 30 years. I mean, so I was always renegotiating and always looking and there were some really, when you um, say contract, what do you mean by that? With the, so like your so there's, there's a couple things that you get paid for, for playing professional golf. There's a ball shoe glove deal. And those are usually, I, I, for my entire career was with Titleist. So I was a foot joy Titleist guy. And so it was a Titleist glove title. And there were times where, um, 
Hell, the latter part of my career, Danny, I was full, full, full blown Titleist. I was a staff member. I had a Titleist hat, and um, so it all depends on what your last year looks like and where your bargaining uh, power is. But what's interesting, D, is that the as and I and I watched this happen as these there was more money because of Tiger uh, in 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 all of these pies, so to speak. The bigger guys took more of the pie. We, so was we smaller guys all got, equally no, dispersed. No, not even close, man. Yeah. Not even close. So if, if say for example, let's see who would have been the top Titleist guys when I was there. Probably Adam Scott has always been a Titleist guy. Um, you know, it's interesting. Tiger was was a Titleist guy initially, and then went to Nike, yep. and things yep. changed from there. Things changed just monumentally yes. from there, but. Um, um, I'm trying to think of who else would have been the big Titleist guys. Um, Brad Faxon was a Titleist guy his whole career, his entire career. Um, and so, you know, what what I would have been making, they would have been making multiple times more. You know, they were tournament winners. They were higher on the money list than I was. And then I always did well, though, Danny, with some relationships from other companies that maybe would put a patch on my sleeve or or, or, or a Something on your uh, hat, maybe side of the hat or the logo on the bag, you know, because I was doing that corporate entertainment and hospitality. So one of the cool things for me is my off season, I was planning that schedule as well because the tour schedule would come out. And then depending on what it looked like, I scheduled a lot of Monday outings, you know, so I would go straight from, uh, say the Canadian open in Toronto. And then I'd try to schedule the one in, in either in, Toronto there or in Brantford or in wherever it was, maybe sometimes Windsor, you know, some places that were easier to travel. And um, uh, depending on, uh, I started getting better and better at the business and getting bigger and bigger deals. So I would get multiple days and sometimes my week off would consist of doing three outings, you know, because it was such a great way to supplement my income. But um, basically you have uh, I, I only had a closed deal twice. I had a Calvin Klein thing for a while, and then I had one other closed contract. Um, I was the first person to reach out to Ralph Lauren. This was back in the early 90s, before they even got into golf. And um, they agreed to it, but they sent me a contract. Danny was 28 pages long. I would and think it was of a, Davis Love with uh, yeah. with Ralph Lauren. And then, yeah, and then Davis Love came. Then, then the next year out, Davis came out. Tom Watson came out and Justin Leonard, I think, yes. came out. And they and I was like, you son of a guns, man. You got <laughs> but, but that's the nature of the game, right? I mean, um, so when there's a couple things that you're doing as a golfer, you're, you're setting up your schedule, especially when you have kids. You're trying to figure out, okay, the girls have this. Here's a recital that they're all three in. So we're going to be, you know, and here's some volleyball and here's some other things. And so you're always trying to schedule around there. And then once you start locking the schedule in, um, you could start making travel sure. arrangements. But, you know, it's not, it, it, it was not easy. Early times on the tour, Danny, none of the tournaments had committees that would help you. They didn't send you. So you were on your own. At the and beginning, unless you had an agent. In the middle, my agent didn't do any of that for me. Yeah. In the, in the middle 80s, when I first got on tour, they didn't send out a list of hotels. I'll never forget this, Danny. I'm flying into Washington, D.C., and we're playing congressional. Can't wait. It's the Kemp, It's called the Kemper Open. I get a, I'm staying at a, some sort of cheap hotel, 
I'm an hour away. Because I don't, you know how crazy DC is. Yeah. You've been there a hundred times. You take two two different turns. You're in three different states. You know, you got Virginia over here. You got Maryland over here. You got the DC area. So, as soon as I, I, you know, and I'm I'm going by map. We don't have a cell phone. And we don't have the internet. So I'm going by map, and I'm like, oh man, screwed that up. You know. So I bought. So I I check in the hotel, check out, and move closer. That happened all the time. I remember the first. The second tournament I ever played in was Hawaii, and for whatever reason, there was some huge convention in Honolulu, and I moved hotels that week three times. I was staying at an outrigger hotel, and I couldn't get – they have them all across the city, but I couldn't get anything that would keep me there for the whole week. My caddy and I were carrying luggage down the streets. You know, we didn't have – you don't, no one has cars over in Honolulu, really. Uh, ever. I guess towards the end of the – you know, it's so easy to get around, and you either just took cabs or, you know – but most everybody just stays right in Honolulu, so nobody's driving. And the tournament has transportation taking you back and forth from the golf course. So that that's the the thing. You're always trying to get better deals on your flights. You're always trying to – you have your caddy expenses. So you, yeah, you eat what you kill. Absolutely. And so you're out there on your own trying to garner this this business, trying to win on tour. Yep. But then you're also – there's so many different things you got to worry about. Like you said, hotel, rental car, travel plans, food. thinking ahead, food, yep. paying your caddy. Yep. It's not the way it is now, but you, you didn't have a team to do that. But no. that's the business side of golf. Those are the things that you have to think of. Right. And, and when you're a young guy, you don't even know the golf course. You know, so you, you don't know the city – I mean, maybe a, there were probably a handful, like L.A. I knew from going to school there, and we played Riviera, so I got to play Riviera in college. So when I went, man, when I started getting in the L.A. Open, I'm like, man, I'm going to win. I love this course. You know, and I had some good – I had a, a fourth-place finish there. I had a couple of nice finishes there. But, man, when you start going down to, like, Torrey Pines on Fridays at, Friday afternoon, Stan, when you – after hopefully you made the cut – it would take you over an hour to get back to your hotel because of all the traffic. Same at, at Riviera. You just sit in the, in the locker room and maybe have a couple of beers and wait for this traffic to die down because you, it was literally a parking lot. How about the the caddy? He's really relying on you to play well. 100%. Then his cut of the money is going to be a little bit better. better. Yeah. But how does that work with a caddy? So back in the day, I'll never forget this, we would pay our caddy $200 for the week. And two fifty if we made the cut, so we got an extra fifty bucks if we made the cut, and then they get five percent, five seven ten percent bonus structure, meaning ten percent on a win, seven percent on a top ten, and five percent on everything else. But Dan, some of the you know you finish sixtieth and you're making eight hundred bucks, so you car- carve the guy a check for forty dollars. It's unreal, man. Yeah, it just it's just just the way it was, and then. It just took off. I mean, did you have a standard caddy every every week, or was it kind of jumping from I, guy uh, to guy? Well, early on, I didn't have one, so you're always trying to find that guy. And then I found one. I never kept a caddy for more than three or four years. I, you, we usually just got stale. I was a pretty easy boss. I always gave my caddies if I wasn't playing in a pro am on Wednesday, I always gave them Wednesday off. And when I was a kid, I used to show up on Mondays. But then as I got older, I never showed up on Mondays because I knew the golf course. So I'd play Tuesday, hopefully playing in the Pro-Am. If I was playing in the Pro-Am, sometimes I wouldn't get to the golf course until Tuesday afternoon. Play wow. a quick nine, get see if there's anything different in the golf course, and then play the, the, the Pro-Am and go. You know, So the more I could stay at home, the more I did. I One, one night, 
my favorite, probably the favorite, most fun tournament I ever had was up in Quad Cities. And we're playing, and there's a concert back here in St. Louis that I want to go to on Saturday night. So I finish my round on Saturday, and I'm in third place. Don't tell me you went to the concert. Fourth place. If you're, that, TW, you're, you're ready to win a tournament, you're jump doing on this. TWA, come back. We go see one of my favorite. It was REM. We, we see REM at Riverport or whatever they call that, Hollywood Casino now. Uh, sleep in my own bed. Uh, jump on a TWA flight in the morning. Back up to quad. Have a little breakfast. Get a workout in. Go out. Finish third. Really? Yep. What time Played was your tea group? time on Sunday? Uh, one o'clock. Oh, so you did have time? Yeah. You oh, have yeah. plenty of time. Plenty to do of this. time. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I made sure all that before I. But it was it was a blast. So I got to hang out with some friends and stuff on Saturday night, and then were they like, "What are you bed. doing?" Nobody knew. You know, right. my caddy knew. He's like, what, "You what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I I went to see REM last night." Where? Oh, that's awesome. In St. Louis. Yeah, it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Um. But those were the days you could get in and out of town frequently here in St. Louis, too. Oh, Danny. It's changed so much. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you were there five minutes before the flight left, you're on. Exactly. None of, the, none of the security. There was no, you know, none of the screening and all that jazz. I remember one time I was running. I had a nice tournament in Hartford, and I was really tight to make a flight, and I wanted to get home, and I was hauling butt in my car. Got the little tournament sticker on, on the side, and that tournament said you just dropped the car off at the national, you know, a lot of times it, we had a deal with national car. So we drop it off at national. So I am flying into the Hartford airport and I'll, I'll look in about a mile before I get to the, to the terminal. I see, I got some cop behind me. Lights are on. I'm like, I don't slow down. I go pull right into the TWA. The got the bell cab comes out. I go, man, I got to get on this flight. It leaves in like, 14 minutes and here's and I just get and then here's this for take my car to national for me and he goes yes sir you know so I gave him a couple of 20s and, and then I look around and the cops walking up to me I get my license out I said sir if you're gonna give me a ticket can you hurry up I got 14 minutes to <laughs> he's like what he goes do you know how fast you're going I go nope but it was way over the limit I'm sure so um he didn't give me a ticket it always helps when you got that tournament sticker yes. on the side of the car you know so uh, th- those days playing the tour were, were a lot more fun. We, we used to go out a lot together with, you know, Wayne Grady and his wife, Lynn, David Frost and his first wife. Um, oh gosh, I forget her name. Um, but, it was, uh, Mark Wiebe and Kathy Wiebe would go out with us and we'd, you know, have some, sometimes we don't make the cut. Sometimes we don't miss the cut. It all depends. You know, if sure. we miss the cut, we might stay out late and have a nice dinner and a couple of bottles of wine or something. But it was it was interesting, you know, once somebody had a couple of drinks in him, Wayne Grady is a great guy, but his Australian came out in him and he was, he would bad mouth, you know, the United States for this and that. I'm like, dude, why are you here? <laughs> like, I love it here. You know, I do. Yeah. So, but, but that whole thing nowadays, Danny, the going rate for caddies per week is 1500 $1,500. Some have much better deals if, if they've been together a while and, Look, I just talked. We're going to have Joe Scavern on the show. You know who he's back? He left Tommy Kim and went to Ludwig Adberg. Wow. Wow. It's a big name. It's a big name and a big, and he's super excited. And I said to him, You're going to bring so much to the table for that young guy. And he goes, 
we're going to be a great team. That's great. Together. So he's, he said he'd come back on the show, but he goes, give me four or five months, get my feet wet with him, you know, because he is a sweet, he's, he's pretty much Americanized. You know, he went to Texas A&M and things like that, but yeah, so Joe's, Joe's always fun to talk to. So Mark Milton is coming up. We're going to get into the business side of golf, business side of sports. Hopefully it's a fascinating conversation. We need to tip our cap, and I figured on this championship Sunday, we tip our cap to Jim Nance, a guy that will be calling the game today and then also has had just a huge presence in the game of golf. And he's a great guy. He's been on the show a couple of times. He said he'd come on again. The tip of the cap is brought to you by the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. 314-966-0303. Our buddy Colin Burns got a vehicle for you. Any kind of car, he can get it. Man, Jim Nance. I, I, Danny, when the music plays at Augusta and he comes on, it's, it's man. It's, Iconic. It's like a, a comfortable chair, you yep. know. And, you know, um, one of the things I was interested in asking him is I said, Jim, hello, friends. You know what? And he said his dad died of the horrible Alzheimer's disease. And towards the end of his, his dad would listen to Jimmy all the time. And he would say, he, he didn't know names. He knew a voice. And, and by, by Jim saying hello, friends, it was kind of like a tribute to his dad. That's great. It was really super cool. So here's a guy, I mean, you've called every sort of sport you could call super high level. Here's a guy that's the voice of the NCAA tournament, the sweets, you know, the March Madness, Augusta. How many Super Bowls has he called? The only sport that he's never really been involved in, I guess, is baseball. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. that'd but be the only one. He's a, he's iconic. He's a, he is a great guy. He he tells some phenomenal stories in the early days of golf and TV and Frank Turkanian and um, he actually had a Sean Connery story too, where he shut Sean Connery's door, uh, foot in the door, leg in the door, <laughs> and cut cut 007. But Anyway, we, I, I, Jim Nance is a great guy. I can't wait to get him back on the show. And the tip of the cap is brought to you by the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood and our buddy Colin Burnt at 314-966-0303. Some news and notes coming up as well, but Mark Milton, he'll be our guest next. This is Golf with Jay Delsing presented by Darty Business Solutions. Are you driving an out-of-warranty car? It's only a matter of time before your out-of-warranty vehicle is in the shop costing you thousands of dollars. Auto repair costs are up nearly 20% from last year, which is four times the rate of inflation. If an unexpected breakdown happened today, would you be ready for that? Well, now you can be with a plan through CarShield. Even if your car is just over three years old, it's still prone to expensive costs. Your car is more than just getting you from point A to point B. Traveling by car is a way of life. From picking up your kids to going to a new restaurant, cars are a daily essential. When you enroll in a car protection plan through CarShield, you can look forward to the following. The price will never go up no matter how many claims you file or no matter how high the mileage on your car increases. CarShield offers protection plans that start as low as $100 per month. That's $100 per month. They have repair coverage for up to 5,000 different parts of your vehicle. Plus, when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road, you get 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance. You also get complimentary towing and rental car options. CarShield has my back when my car breaks down, and they can have yours too. Call CarShield today at 800-465-6550 or visit carshield.com. 
It's CarShield, proud sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. Get ready to watch the legends of golf up close when they compete at historic Norwood Hills Country Club right here in St. Louis. The Ascension Charity Classic will be back again with some of golf's greatest names. Steve Stricker, Padraig Harrington, John Daly, David Duvall, Bernard Longer, Justin Leonard, David Toms, and more will compete returning September 3rd through the 8th. Visit ascensioncharityclassic.com for information. I'm delighted to welcome the Amateur Players Tour to the Golf with Jay Delsing show. The APT team has worked so hard to establish a national golf tour for amateurs. Folks, don't miss out on this opportunity. If you love golf and ever wondered what all the fuss about tournament golf is, then this tour is for you. We just released the 2024 schedule and it is a beast. There's 21 events currently in the metropolitan St. Louis area with many more to come. But check out these golf courses, Paynes Valley, Ozark National, Stonewolf, Ambrier, Persimmon Woods, Gateway National, and a 36-hole event on Norwood's West Course, and many more. Okay, so the courses are certainly cool and nice, but what's really neat is the way the events are run and how they are run. The APT team does a fantastic job of closely monitoring handicaps and ensuring a good and fair competition. There are five divisions, a year-long points competition, major championships, elevated events, and much, much more. Right now, there are over 6,000 members in 41 different local chapters across the country. And all that's happened in just over five years. Join now and don't miss out on the best tournament golf in the country. Run for amateurs, by amateurs themselves. Go to amateurplayerstour.com. That's amateurplayerstour.com. Hi, this is Peter Jacobson, and you're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, any maker model, then you need to visit the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. They are the official vehicle provider of the Golf with Jay Delsing show. My daughter and I both drive vehicles supplied by Colin and the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. And the reason we have them is because we know we can trust them. They made the car buying experience painless and very easy. Their customer service is second to none. They provided my daughter with a loaner car when her Passat needed repairs. Every single step of the car buying experience was taken care of for us. You can reach Colin at 314-966-0303 and he will answer all of your questions and put your mind at ease. The Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood has new or pre-owned vehicles to be purchased or leased, whichever you prefer. Once you visit the Dean Team Volkswagen on Manchester and Kirkwood, you'll become a customer for life because they'll treat you like family. The Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood, the official vehicle provider of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. (music) 
Golf with Jay Delsing on a Sunday morning rolls on on 101 ESPN. Coming to you from the Car Shield Studios. And we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And in studio, somebody that we wanted to get in to talk about the business side of sports, in particular, the business side of golf. It is fascinating. And that's Mark Milton, STLTaxLawyer.com, top tax lawyer here in St. Louis. And Mark, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, being here with you. Mark, it, it's great to have you. You know, we got to talk, well, we've talked a lot. We got to play golf together, but um, give us, give the listeners first just a little background. I know you're Belleville native. There's some good good players from over there. Yeah, the great Bob Golby uh, is a Belleville native. Grew up in Belleville, um, went to the University of Illinois for my undergraduate, did accounting there, um, went to law school at St. Louis University uh, School of Law. And uh, really, with a focus on litigation, uh, wanted to be a sports agent. Actually, when I was when I was in high school, that was what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the next Jerry Maguire. Um, so Scott I Boros. How about yeah? <laughs> so That'll I work. did accounting because um, everyone I talked to said if you want to go to law school, well, first if you want to be a sports agent, you need to be a lawyer, and if you want to go to law school, you should get an accounting degree um, because most of the lawyers I knew all did poli sci or history and they said it's worthless. You should get a business degree so you understand what's going on. So, um, that was the path I took, did some public accounting internships, uh, big four, that sort of thing. Um, but it was really focused on, um, you know, being a lawyer, um, with the eye on maybe being a sports agent, but that sort of, um, that dream sort of died, I guess, when I was in law school, I really enjoyed sort of the litigation track, um, ended up getting a job with the Department of Justice Tax Division. How cool is that? Yeah, very so cool. How long did you live in D.C.? So we lived out there for four years, um, literally took the bar exam uh, in July and packed up all my stuff and moved out to D.C. the next week. Um, did an Air, uh, not an Airbnb, a Craigslist apartment. Just found they didn't a, have Airbnb no, back then. No, just found, a, found an apartment to live in. Uh, my wife uh, was a year behind me in law school, actually. Um, so I lived out there for a year, then we got married, and then she moved out there. That uh, bar's pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, easy bars, <laughs> you know, in Missouri, uh, you know, you do the prep course. Um, you know, I think it's like a 90% passage rate in Missouri. SLU does a great job of preparing their students for it. So um, always nerve-wracking anytime, you know, you take a bar exam, you're waiting for, for the results. I actually started at DOJ as a law clerk, so I hadn't had my – I hadn't gotten my results yet. Thank God I passed and, and, you know, went on to do four years with the tax division handling a whole host of, you know, tax disputes on behalf of the IRS throughout the country. We always hear in sports that player X signed for eight years and X amount of million dollars and everybody thinks, well, let's say it was eight years, 64 million. Okay. They think, well, he's going to take home the eight per year. That's not how it works, is it? It is not how it works. And I all I always think of that. And anytime I see a contract, I think, well, they're going to probably be paying close to 40, in some cases, 50% of that is not their money. It's going to the government in the form of federal income taxes, state taxes, and local taxes. State and local tax is a huge thing that a lot of people don't think about. Um, athletes in particular, because they Golfers, you know, as you know, Jay, I mean, you travel all over the country, all over the world in some cases. Every jurisdiction you're in has a taxing authority, whether it be state, cities, counties, all of them have taxing authorities that you have to be mindful of. Now, not all of them have 
earnings taxes. You know, for example, in a city like St. Louis, we have an earnings tax that they also have to pay when they travel to the city of St. Louis. Um, some states don't have income taxes. It's no coincidence that a lot of golfers uh, call Florida, Tennessee, and Texas home, right? Because they have no state income tax. So they're able to avoid, you know, let's say in Missouri, roughly five and a half percent personal income tax rate. In California, for every dollar over a million you earn, they take 13%. Wow. So when you look at the top federal tax rate of 37.5%, they're paying more than 50% of every dollar they earn over a million. Shohei Otani, for example, every dollar over a million, they're paying over 50%. They're getting less than half of their money from their contract. So when they deferred that money and he's going to get paid possibly overseas, was that one of the ways to avoid the tax situation that he would have uh, found himself in i certainly think that was their intention now the state franchise tax board in california is one of the most aggressive you know people complain about the irs the state of california is one of the more aggressive taxing authorities so it's obviously on their radar i think um whether deferred comp is what they call it is is subject to to california state income tax i think california is going to take the position that i don't care where this guy's living you as the they'll, they'll go after the dodgers they'll try to say you need to withhold on that future compensation because it was quote earned here in california even though you're paying it later mark several of my friends the australians and and they pay way more in taxes than we do almost Every, every single year. Sure. Uh, international tax, huge issue for, for golfers, especially when you think about as a U.S. citizen, you have to pay tax on your worldwide income, no matter where you earn it. So you have to file taxes, but you do get credits for taxes paid to foreign jurisdictions. So Canada, another one, huge. I mean, very they cold cocked me twenty five percent off the top of every check, and I had some good tournaments. Well, up and there, so man. then you, what happens there is you still have to report that income here in the U.S. or hopefully you did, or we can take this to a, a privileged this yeah, setting. No All <laughs> fair. I think the statute's probably expired, but you have to report that, and then you get credits for what you pay to to foreign countries. But I think about athletes, you know, Toronto. I mean, if you're if you're an NBA player, I think it's got to be difficult to get guys to want to go there just because of the taxes and you know let alone not living in the united states so mark i don't remember the time frame i want to say early 90s but i remember my friend that was doing my accounting for me and we're i've I've been on tour now for six seven years something like that and something drastically changed he told me a story and i don't know if it's true but i think it might have been billy joel did four sold out concerts in madison square garden and skated out of New York City paying no taxes, and all of a sudden everything changed. And my tax return suddenly went from whatever to 15, 20 different states all wanting part of this money. Well, so there, certain cities do have what they call an entertainer's tax, or you know, it, but it's really just an income tax. I mean, if Taylor Swift, for example, goes to Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium to do a concert, she would be liable for income taxes to the state of Missouri because she earned that income here. And it's the same throughout the country. I mean, uh, baseball players, you know, if they're traveling to California for road games, those those jurisdictions have the right to tax them. St. Louis, they, they impose the 1% earnings tax on road teams. So when players wow. come in, they're paying, you know, if you're a Chicago Cub playing here nine times a year, you're going to pay – 
you know, for those nine days, you're you're working in the city of St. Louis. Danny, did you because now would it would that apply to the announcers and things like that because they're, you know, they're they're yeah they're working. Called, if you're working in the yeah. city, you paid the one. I'm sure the oh, every yeah. Cardinals employee is is paying the earnings tax. But did you have to yeah, pay Cal- we did state of California? Yeah. Oh, so your tax returns so are w- a nightmare too. Well, I was just going to ask you, W twos all over the place for these guys. W so the W two would have so you'd have your federal portion, but then you might have twenty five states where they're having to withhold. I mean, it's it's a uh, administrative burden for for employers when you have employees who are traveling all over the country. Did you ever figure out the real value, let's say, of Albert Pujols' contract? So it was ten years two fifty roughly. He goes to California. Do you ever think of the real value of what that was? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, this was a while back, but I remember uh, doing the math, and he would have made more had he signed with the Cardinals. Wow. Um, over, you know, because of the California uh, income tax rate being, you know, like I said, th- over fifty percent um, for every dollar you earn. See, didn't the Cardinals offer him like two oh eight or I don't two, remember. 212 or whatever something? it was? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you think about this. I mean, go- hockey too. I mean, you think about. You wonder how much does this impact their decision-making, right? Petrangelo, he goes to Nevada, no income tax, no state income tax. Did, you know, because I think the Blues offered him something similar. Um, but there, you're you're not paying any uh, state income tax, and he's not paying the St. Louis earnings tax. You know, you think about 1%. If you're, if you're a prospective free agent wanting to come to St. Louis and you're thinking about a $250 million contract, that's two point five million over the life of the contract to, to live in St. Louis or to you know if if you're living in the county but working in the city you might pay half of that like does that matter I, I it would matter to me I would think about that if you're counting every penny yeah <laughs> I mean I still but to your point I think the public hears about these contracts and yep. they think oh they're just that's crazy how much money they're getting but like when you think about what the agents getting the taxes they're paying I know Chris Pronger's done a lot with this you know talking about hockey players and you know, how much, you know, trainers and things that they're paying on the side. There's a lot that goes in. There's a lot legally that goes into how should they be set up, right? Because as athletes, as, as you know, they're W-2 employees. Golfers, though, are all independent contractors. So they need to make sure they're set up in a way to minimize taxes, making sure they're deducting what they're paying, their managers, their agents, their trainers, their coaches, all that stuff, issuing 1099s to them, Helps bolster their deductions. Travel, Jay. I mean, how much yeah. travel expense did Crazy. you pay out of pocket? A lot, too much. But I can <laughs> tell you, that's we didn't have teams, Danny, back then because we didn't have enough money to pay everybody. <laughs> we didn't have like a yoga instructor and a chef and all that stuff. We didn't have barely had enough money for ourselves. How many players come to you or those in this these type of professions and say, "Is it better for me not to have an agent?" And just go with a tax lawyer and say, that's one of the ways I can scoot around, you know, paying the kind of money that I'm going to wind up paying. Well, all of these guys, I mean, have advisors, right? I mean, they're going to have their agents and they're going to have, you know, we've consulted with agents and athletes on on certain things. Um, they usually have a team, you know, financial advisors, tax attorneys, CPAs. Um, but, you know, we've also seen some people who have kind of got suckered into Things that seem to, you know, probably should have been too good to be true. Um, athletes are, are really uh, attractive targets for different tax schemes and things like that. So, um, you know, and then they trust people, right? They're trusting that 
things are being done appropriately and they only find out later when when stuff hits the fan that hey maybe i wasn't getting great advice and and i shouldn't have been doing x y or z or i would have saved money if i had done this so i think all athletes um whether it be the agent negotiating the deals need they're gonna they should have a team of legal tax advisors who are helping them navigate all of this because so, it is extremely complica- complicated so mark let's talk a little bit about live Okay, because because the Greg Norman has said forever, even back in the early '90s when he was trying to pull off this world tour, the PGA Tour professional golfers are independent contractors. They're in so just by that definition would mean they should be able to go wherever they want. What's interesting on that regard, though, the PGA Tour as an entity does not have to hire you. Correct. I mean, so good. Let them go everywhere you want. But what happens if the tour would say, okay, Greg, you go play wherever you want. You just can't play over here. Yeah. So the legal issues there, I think it's getting into more what the live argument was, is you're, you're engaging in anti-competitive behavior. So they're trying to bring in antitrust laws that, you know, in the United States, for example, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL, they have exemptions from our antitrust laws because they very much do operate as a monopoly in their markets and we, you know, as a as a government, the Congress has decided they're going to be exempted from those laws. The PGA, I think, to your point, they can't. They kind of want to have their cake and eat it too. It seems that way. I mean, I think that's one of the gripes of Greg Norman is, uh, you know, they're not allowed to. They get so so many exemptions a year to go play in Abu Dhabi, or yep. you know, you see them go play, and that's what's funny. I mean, they used to play in these Saudi events, and those would be the exemptions they would use. Um, but obviously, it was a threat to them if if uh, you know, they're going to have this competing golf league and, and all these things. So I think from the PGA standpoint, um, they, they to me, um, don't have a good leg to stand on uh, on the antitrust piece of it. But they do have a right, I think, to say, if you're going to go off to this competing golf league, then we can prevent you from, from playing in our tournaments. Mark Milton, stltaxlawyer.com, our guest in studio. Who has the highest tax rates? What countries? So Jay played all over the world. What are the places that you know charge the most with their taxes? Uh, so Canada is certainly up there. Um, I would say a lot of the European nations are, are fairly high. Um, I don't know internationally. I mean, Australia, like you said, is is fairly high. Um, but you know, I, you, the U.S. is actually pretty friendly in comparison to to most places. So when you start thinking about these live contracts. And I know another one of the things that drives Danny and I crazy when we talk about this, we get questioned all the time, but there's so much murkiness involved with the the details just get left out. I mean, the business model details get left out. You can see they're winging it as they go. But if you take somebody, John Rahm's numbers don't add up evenly. Let's just say someone that got a hundred million dollars and they've got a three-year contract, right? So it's whatever that is per year, just over $33 million a year. They're playing all over the place, Mark. Mm-hmm. So they're playing in India. They're going to play in South America. What does that look like from a – is that just a, as, as big a nightmare? Because oh. now you're dealing with countries instead of not only the United States, but then each state has a different, you know, regulation. Well, and a lot of those countries make sure to, to you know, it's get their money, especially on the purses, right? So if there, if there's a purse for the event, I mean, they're going to make sure to reach in there and, and grab what they're entitled to at, at the outset. You know, you probably experienced that 
when you played, right? Yep. When you'd get a check, yep. the local state might, they might withhold, even though you're getting a 1099. They I finished second one year in Boston and made 88000 and my check was for eighty. So you're paying your taxes. There goes that eight thousand. Even though even it was it. even though it was ten ninety nine work, they yep. still would tell. So that's that's what happens on the international level. Now for each player, it's going to be different, right? Because they're each going to have you Their know home country. John Rahm might spend more time in you know different countries than you know somebody Phil Mickelson, for example. Yep. So they're each going to have to have individualized uh, advice on what their international tax obligations. But they're going to get hit differently from every Correct. country they go to. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. And states, uh, you know, as well. And it's interesting too, to talk, if we could talk about live yeah. this team concept, right? Yeah. So they want to have these teams be like real teams, like, like baseball, hockey, where, so then are they going to end up being employee? From what I've read, I read the, the live or let die, or I forget yeah, the yeah. name. That yeah, book was very fascinating. But Alan Shipnick did I mean, a they great are job. Like, the Saudis want that. Like they want this team concept. They're they're in it to make money, despite everything that's been said. They think there's real value, which I'm skeptical of. Jay, I mean, yeah, I how can you do that? How can they make money on this? Well, so they'll sell a franchise. But then Phil Mickelson is your Michael Jordan, right? He's he, you know, he is the Michael Jordan to. The high flyers, which I still these names and some. I just I just view golf as an individualized sport. I these guys are all different animals, as you Jay know, and so that concept is kind of weird to me. But if they do that, then there's going to be more of an argument that those guys, at least in the U from the U.S. taxing standpoint, I don't know how every other country does employee versus independent contractor. Like they would sort of become employees of those teams as opposed to intermittent contracts. You have jumped into the Ascension Charity Classic, haven't you? You love it. <laughs> I, I do. I'm I'm a uh, pro-am participant every year. I'm, I love to support it. I think it's been a fantastic event. I appreciate I know you guys have done so much to support that event and help promote North County, and I've talked to a number of players when, when they've been here. I mean, just they love the experience. Um, very gracious. They they've really enjoyed playing Norwood and everything. St. Louis. What was it? What was it like? Given give the listeners a glimpse into the nerves that come in for you and who what, you played with too. Who you played with? The yeah. nerves are real. I mean, for me, <laughs> yeah, uh, they are. Two years ago, I played with Bob Estes. Um, actually, Bob rocked the STL tax lawyer cap this year at Did the event. Um, and uh, you know, I I knew of him. I mean, I he was a guy that I remember playing on tour. And um, but again, could couldn't have been nicer. Um, but we teed off on number ten, which is a par three. So I never like teeing off on a par three, right? Because you want if I just want I'm a twenty one handicap. I think I'm down to a nineteen now, so I can avoid the sandbagger accusations that I've received in the past. Um, but as you saw, Jay, flashes of greatness yeah. with the drive. Yeah, you could smash it. And, and some put if I get the put if yeah. I can get out of my own way mentally on putting, decent. So uh, I stepped up on ten that for you know, and they announced your name, which is kind of cool. And and I stuck a seven iron, put it on the green, you know, twenty feet and I think I was maybe getting a stroke, so we made like a net net nice. birdies. So, uh, but the nerves are real. But these guys, like Bob Estes in particular, uh, Robert Carlson, I played with this year. Um, like, I mean, they were literally giving us lessons on the course. I mean, at one point, I kind of be like, Robert, you're all in my head. This is not going <laughs> right. well. I can't, I can't digest everything you're telling me right now. Do these guys hit you up for advice too? A little bit. I yeah. mean, there's definitely some some talk. Um, the first year, uh, Glenn Day, you know, he, we just kind of small talk um, about, you know, what I do and, and kind of their life on the the tour and their experience with taxes. Everyone hates taxes, right? 
So it's 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 fun to kind of talk about it's, that. It's interesting that we're talking about this, Danny, because we know so many people that have. There's always tax issues. There's always some. Everybody's wondering how can I pay less mm-hmm. if you're Donald Trump? He doesn't want to pay any, <laughs> which I love. He's like, I'm smart. I don't pay any taxes. But but what um, you can help anybody. Right. I mean, yeah. you can literally help anybody. So we specialize in helping mostly individuals and small business owners with tax problems. Right. So we help people who you'd be surprised have not filed taxes in a number of years. <laughs> I mean, like you laugh, but you'd be shocked. Some of the stories you hear, I, I always joke, our office could be a reality show if there weren't for the confidentiality <laughs> yeah. issues. Um, but I mean, you hear about, you know, multiple marriages, just all kinds of stories that have led to their tax problems. But it's there's usually some common themes, and there's a paralyzing fear of the IRS. People that fall behind on filing, or maybe they have filed, but they owe money, they just don't know what to do. So I take pride in, you know, we meet with them during the initial consultation, sort of explore what's going on, and show them, like, there's a way out. Because a yeah. lot of people just think there's there's no I don't know what, you know, I think in their mind, they're just going to die with these problems. So there's basically three phases to what you do. And the first one, just kind of an introductory, you get to know each other and, and, and then you kind of get down to some of the details. Yeah. The press text. So we, it's kind of like a doctor, right? You got to diagnose the problem. Yeah. So our phase one compliance review investigation, we get power of attorney with the IRS, with state taxing authorities. We're able to go in and, you know, review their account and see what's going on for some people that haven't filed. They don't even know where to start. They don't remember where they work. They don't know. They don't have their record. So we're able to get wage and income transcripts. So those are documents. That's the thing. You, it, you can't hide money anymore. I mean, the Al Capone days of, of, you know, cash, you know, cash business and all that, it's kind of out the door. Now with Venmo and PayPal and Cash App and all these things, um, everything gets reported to the IRS. And so, but the, the good thing for that, from my standpoint, is I can get wage and income transcripts and I can lay out for them, all right, here are all the jobs you had. You need to go get me these W-2s or get me these records so that we can do your wait, taxes. Wait a minute now, Venmo? So if I pay Danny 100 bucks on Venmo, he's got to tell the government that he just got my $100? So this is an emerging issue. So the IRS has delayed an, uh, implementation of this rule for two years now because they recognize what a nightmare it's going to be. So originally, if you had more than 600 in Venmo, they were going to make you get a 1099. So then that would go to the IRS. And then they raised it. I think it was going to be 20,000. And they realized even that could be problematic with people that are, you know, f- you know, reimbursement. And people use it for all kinds of things that yeah. are not income. So... I think they've delayed it another year to try to figure out what's workable in terms of the reporting because what they don't want is everyone who uses Venmo or PayPal to get a 1099. It's going to be a huge burden on the accounting industry because you're going to have to figure out how do we report this. But even if you don't, you know, what I'm saying is like when we ha- we also handle audits for people. So that's one of the first things they ask is like, do you have Venmo? Do you have PayPal? You know, they they can request those records to see how much money you're making on those apps. What's going back to the athletes, the most common mistake that they make, what is it? So for athletes, I would say getting suckered into bad deals, bad tax shelters, promote that. That's one of the big, big things. Um, I think the state and local issues are something that um, can be very thorny. But again, I think most athletes today do get pretty good counseled advice um, because they know they need it. They know that they're at a point where like they, you know, they can't do it themselves for sure. Well, it's interesting because, um, when, when I start thinking about you were talking about Venmo in particular, I read an article recently that said 
a lot of people are kind of keeping cash in their Venmo accounts, but that cash is not FDIC insured. It's if someone, you know how you get hacked and it happens all the time. If someone somehow hacks your Venmo, you don't have anywhere to go to retrieve that money. That's true. I mean, even banks, technically your limit is only 100000 on FDIC insurance. So it, it's a concern, I'm sure, for, for some people. Uh, cryptocurrency is the one where we've seen the most loss in terms of people that have Bitcoin and their wallet gets hacked and that is gone. I mean, a lot of times that's foreign actors and, you know, whether it be Bitcoin or some of the other coins, um, that's that's a huge problem. And actually, can I make one point about You athletes? can do whatever you want. I've seen, so I have, I have had the most interaction with athletes after they're out of their playing career. Right. And I think for some of them during their career, they don't do a very good job of managing their money. They spend a lot. And for most guys, their career is a relatively short duration compared to the rest of their life. Right. Most Two to people, four years, maybe average. Yeah, probably yep. in, depending on what your career is. And so what I've seen is just you know, heartbreaking is the athletes and there's been documentaries on this too, but I've seen it in real life is the athletes who today have nothing left from their playing days. Um, and then they get into post post, uh, playing days. There are a lot of times all 1099 they're showing up at card shows. They're, they're doing autographs. I mean, Pete Rose, he got, you know, he got, you know, oh, yeah. uh, Bernie Kosar was one that came out one. Did you see that? When I was at DOJ, um, our office was handling Warren Sapp's bankruptcy. And he had to sell a Super Bowl ring wow. to pay taxes. Wow. I mean, he owed he owed taxes. And so, and that was a public story. But, I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, taxes are a major issue for these guys, usually after their playing days. And they're, and they're not used to... W two withholdings. Now they're making all this money doing endorsement deals and and card shows and things like that, and they just you know they don't have the same team around them at that point. So things tend to slip through the cracks uh, at that point. I love this stuff. I love talking oh my gosh, the business sorry about this. All of it. You it's fantastic. It is interesting. My wife, she jokes like, yeah, people say he's a tax lawyer, and that's got to be really boring and. What we do isn't. It's usually pretty interesting stories behind it. So tax season around the corner, best way to get a hold of Mark Milton. Sure, you can visit our website, stltaxlawyer.com. That routes you to Milton Law Group is the law firm. Uh, we're right on Manchester Road in Kirkwood. Uh, you can't miss us. We got a billboard on the top of the <laughs> on the top of the building. So um, yeah, reach out through our website if you've got tax issues or uh, just you know, we're looking for someone to give you some tax planning, tax prep advice. We can certainly. Do I that. dare somebody to call you not somewhere talk about some sport related thing. <laughs> yeah. I know how much you love sports. I love sports. Um, it's awesome to be with you guys. Talk taxes and sports. A lot of fun. Thank you for having me. That's Mark Milton. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Powers Insurance and Risk Management is a family-owned local business that's been helping our community for over 200 years. In the always confusing world of insurance, Powers Insurance provides clarity, exceptional service, and the latest in cutting-edge products to deliver the highest quality in property and casualty coverage, as well as strategic planning consultation services. Powers Insurance and Risk Management will partner with you. That's right, partner with you to customize the right coverage for you and your family. Tim Davis, the Chief Operations Officer, will personally sit down and talk you through the ins and outs of your policies. They are experts at helping you control 
your workplace expenses and helping to guarantee the safety of you and your employees and their needs. You can visit them at powersinsurance.com. That's powersinsurance.com for all of your insurance needs. Hey, St. Louis, Eddie McVeigh here from Maggie O'Brien's. When you head downtown for a concert or cards or blues game, and now for the St. Louis City soccer game, please come see us at Maggie O'Brien's before and after your event. Take our shuttle to and from or stay in-house and watch your favorite team on our multiple high-def TVs. We look forward to seeing you soon at one of our two locations in Sunset Hills on South Lindbergh or downtown at the corner of Market and 20th Street. Union Station is next to us. Do you remember the golden rule? I'm sure you do, but just in case, it goes like this. Treat people the way that you'd like to be treated. At People's National Bank, that one statement is the cornerstone of what this bank is all about. Locally owned, with 23 locations in Southern Illinois and the metropolitan St. Louis area, People's National Bank parlays a robust menu of commercial or personal banking services you could possibly need with a friendly yet hardworking Midwestern attitude. Maybe you just want to do business with a bank whose entire team lives in the same neighborhoods as we do. If you're like me and doing business with someone you trust is important to you, then People's National Bank is the bank for you. Jason Rantham, local president, is here for you to call and he'll answer any questions you may have. His personal cell is 314-974-2243. You can also find us online at peoplesnationalbank.com. People's National Bank is here for all of your banking needs. Hi, this is Adam Betts from Family Golf and Learning Center. At FGLC here in Kirkwood, we feature a double-decker driving range, two large grass tees with Tahoma Bermuda grass. You want to work on your short game? We have a short game area too, which features a 20,000 square foot green, three bunkers, and zoysia surrounds. Also at Family Golf and Learning Center, don't forget about our nine-hole par three course, the indoor trackman simulators, and our performance center. If you're looking for the best golf instruction, regardless of skill, we can help. Find out more at FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. Family Golf and Learning Center. We make St. Louis better at golf. Okay, so you've been hearing me talk about one of our community's greatest contributors and most philanthropically inclined companies. Yes, of course, I'm talking about Marcone, the largest distributors of General Electric compliance parts in North America. Did you know that Marcone is also the largest and most trusted supplier of commercial and residential appliance parts, HVAC, plumbing, commercial kitchens, pools, and spas? Also, all of that in North America. Their most recent endeavor, the Reese Across America program, was a huge success. In case you don't recall, 10,000 Reese were placed on the grave sites of our fallen heroes across several of our veteran cemeteries around our great country. Marcone is committed to supporting our first responders, all of the branches of the military and service for our military, and our police and firefighters. Marcone, here for you and your family, as well as your community. That's Marcone. Sunday morning, golf with Jay Delsing rolls on. Fascinating interview there with Mark Milton, the stltaxlawyer.com to find out more. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. we got the UHY prep series coming up a little later in the show. Jerry Haas will be featured. And also, 
Bob Herrick, who has written a new book on Tiger Woods. Interesting, the business side of sports. It really was, Danny. There's so much more that goes into it. I mean, you start thinking about that 1% uh, city tax. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's it's amazing what players, and again, we're not crying poor for them. No. We're just showing you that there's a lot that goes into it. All right. I Danny, wanna, let me stop you real quick, yeah. if you don't mind. What happens with the guys, and Mark brought this up about the guys that go north of the border, because of the exchange rate and everything, oh, sure. that's, a, that's a, another thing to have to well, take Well, the various account. states that are hard on harder on taxes on people than others. Yeah. It's, it's all over the place, yeah. and that's why, as he said, there are certain players that will say, I'd rather be with Texas, or yeah. I'd rather go to Florida, Nashville, stay away yep. from California yep. because of the tax implications of that. How about, he said, if you make over a million dollars a year and- California, they clip you for 13% state yeah, tax. pretty high. Wow. All right, so that was fun with Mark Milton. Now, let's switch gears. I mentioned that we have Jerry Haas coming up, and he's the head coach at Wake Forest. It leads me, though, into Nick Dunlap, who turned pro. He was in college, first amateur since 1991 to win on tour. He did that last weekend. What did you know about this kid, and what did you take away from it? Not much. I knew that he had won the U.S. shooting. He's, one of, he and, he's in a, a group of... He and one other guy have won the U.S. Junior and the U.S. Am, and that's T.W. Pretty it's amazing. Good, pretty good company. I really didn't know that much. You know, I've, as, as I get older, Danny, it's just harder to stay up with the college game. You know, the NCAA tournament's kind of fun to watch. They've made it a match play team thing. It's kind of all over the place, but I still like it. It's kind of fun to watch. But I didn't know, but I, I got to tell you, this hasn't happened in what? 33 years or something like that. But Danny, I saw the last other two. And Mickelson, right? In 90, yeah. In 91, Phil Mickelson drove down from Phoenix and whipped all of our butts in the Tucson Open, had his little collar popped and went out there and won the Tucson Open. But Danny, my rookie year on the PGA Tour, I was really good friends with, so, uh, with Scott Verplank. He went to Oklahoma State. Uh, he's from Dallas. And uh, I had just played with him a lot in, in college. And I'm sitting in the locker room at, um, at um, oh, my gosh, I'm having a senior moment, where it's a men's club in Chicago. Uh, Medina? Uh, no, it's uh, Butler, Butler okay. National. Yeah. We used to play the Western Open at Butler National. And Butler's a beast. I mean, we played a, a University of Illinois college tournament there. Butler is a beast. And in walks in Scott for Plank. And I said, Plank, he goes, yeah, I didn't know. I get in the Western Open because he won the Western Amateur as an am. And they give me a spot. And I'm like, right on, man. How you playing? He goes, good. Playing really well. I said, oh, cool. All right. Good luck. Good to see you. He wins the tournament. <laughs> He's played so, real so, well. Yeah, played real well. 1985, he beat Jim Thorpe in a playoff at, at uh, Butler National. And then six years later, Phil Mickelson. So at the beginning of my career, you're acting like this is so, you know, ordinary or, or commonplace to have an amateur come out and win. It's not. And now it's been 33 years since it happened. What was the reaction with Phil? We got just about a minute or two left yep. in this segment. But when Will, when Phil decided and willed his way to a victory, what was that like, the reaction of the guys on tour? Uh, they didn't love it. Yeah. No, they didn't love it. They it, He seemed a little cocky. He seemed a little arrogant. But, you know. We've, you know, golf has a way of taking care of that, yeah. you know, but um, at the end of the day, Danny, you take your, you tip your cap to somebody like that. You went out and did your best. Some weeks are good. Some weeks suck, you know, and some weeks are in between, but a kid comes out there and he's 20 years old and wins a tournament. I mean, 
what it, it was the first of what 48 46 something like that i'm who cares what he only only he and amy give a damn we don't care how many <laughs> right. it was it was a lot we know that but um you think about you know you think about that's crazy it i really don't is. think danny i how about this i don't believe tiger woods ever made a cut on the PGA Tour as an amateur. I could be wrong, but I'll definitely research that. I think that. you're right about that. I don't think he ever made a cut. How crazy. So when Tiger turned you know, Phil wins his tournament. We're thinking this is all about Phil, Phil, Phil. Tiger turns pro in 96. Well, look what, who, who knew? Yeah, right, right. It's just everything got rewritten. So Jay is going to have the UHY prep series coming up. That'll be with... Belleville area native and the head coach at Wake Forest, Jerry Haas. That's coming up. This is Golf with Jay Delsing presented by Darty Business Solutions. Redbird Heating and Cooling sponsors the Veterans Vocational Apprenticeship Program. Jed Dickinson, CEO and retired Navy man, will teach, mentor, and sign off on educational and mechanical work hours to help you get fully licensed while you work and get paid for the company. What a great way to launch your career as a fully licensed HVAC specialist. Call Redbird Heating and Cooling today. That's 314-320-9507. That's Redbird Heating and Cooling. For the best in Italian cuisine in St. Louis, look no further than Paul Mano's, located in Chesterfield. It's traditional Italian cooking and their best ingredient, it's their tradition. It's cooking like Paul's grandmother used to make and like his mother still prepares today. There are no corners cut at Paul Mano's. From greeting you at the door to the pasta you'll share with your family, Paul Mano's is committed to bringing you their very best anytime you share a meal at their place. It's Paul Mano's located in Chesterfield. Hey, this is Jay Delsing for SSM Health Physical Therapy. Our golf program has the same screening techniques and technology as the pros on the PGA Tour use. SSM Health Physical Therapy has the Titleist Performance Institute trained physical therapists that can perform the TPI screening on you as well as use the KVEST 3D motion capture system. Proper posture, alignment, etc. can help you keep your game right down the middle. We have 80 locations in the St. Louis area. Call 800-518-1626 or visit them on the web at SSMPhysicalTherapy.com. Your therapy, our passion. WXOS, WXOS HD1 East St. Louis, 101 ESPN is driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the lifetime warranty and 30-day return. Hey, this is Jay Delsing, and we golfers are always looking for ways to improve our games. For me... That means I want the very best and the very latest in equipment and in technology. The place for me is Pro-Am Golf in Brentwood. Tom DeGrand opened Pro-Am Golf Center in 1975, and ever since then, he and his family have provided St. Louis with the finest in golf equipment, instruction, and the latest in the ever-changing world of golf technology. Whether you are a scratch golfer looking to find the latest in rangefinders or a newcomer looking to find your first set of clubs, Pro-Am Golf has just what you're looking for. You say you're looking to get yourself custom fitted for a new set of clubs, you need to call TJ. He has fit me personally and he is the best in town. If you mention my name, CJ will take 50% off the already low fitting price. So if you need anything from golf balls to a new pair of shoes or a lesson from Tom, 
who, by the way, has been helping St. Louisans play better golf for over 45 years, Pro-Am Golf in Brentwood is the place for you. You can also visit them at ProAmUSA.com. That's Pro-Am Golf. This prep series is one of my favorite parts of the show, and I wanted to just try to pick your brain a little bit so that you could enlighten our listeners who have really good young players out there. And talk a little bit, please, just about the recruiting process, what you guys look for, how you interact, you know, how do you get found, things like that. Well, first thing I will say this, and uh, parents do tend to panic. They you see it in all sports, Jay, that where they, they start them uh, specialized at, you know, 11, 12 years old, that this is the one thing they got to do. Um, some coaches like good athletes that play other sports that, you know, play two or three sports. And uh, therefore, when you get to college to play your sport, you're not quite as burnt out on it. Um, as far as golf goes, I will say this. If you shoot good scores, coaches will find you. Um, everybody feels like they have to play this tour or that tour. And there are, uh, don't get me wrong. There's many great tours and you get the rankings and all that stuff. But if you can win, you can win. And, um, as we know, you know, the ball doesn't know who you are. doesn't know if you're tall or short or whatever you are. If you, if you get it in the hole, then you become uh, somebody that somebody wants to recruit. Well, then once you identify these players, now you look at the parents. And you look at, um, you know, how will this kid do away from home? Are the parents overbearing? Are they good parents? Do they understand that it's a process that's pretty hard? Um, um, and then you start calling around. And you call the local pro and you call the golf coach, high school golf coach. And you start finding out about the character of the young man or, or the young woman, whoever, uh, whatever sport you're coaching. And um, so it kind of goes from there. So then you identify him and. And in Wake Forest's case, um, you know, I'm looking for good student athletes. So you have to be able to handle the uh, the rigors of academics as well as all that stuff and um, qualifying. And as you and I know, there's a lot of failure in golf. You have to have um, you have to have some tough kids. You have to recruit some really tough kids that uh, can persevere through everything. And uh, and and that's where it starts. And you know, some weeks you think you're the greatest player in the world, and then Two weeks later, you think you're not going to beat anybody. So our job as coaches is once we get them here, and you're only looking at most programs only add about maybe one to two to three kids a year. So it's a pretty small pool. So I would say out there as a young junior golfer, um, there's no time to quit on a round. There's no time to give up. There's no time to um, feel sorry for yourself. You need to play. One advice I would like to give, though, is like, uh, let's say it's you, Jay, you're playing in a tournament and you shoot 77 and then you shoot 72 and then you shoot 68. Well, there's a guy that learned from his mistakes that got a little better each day. And and coaches like that. We always like to see how low you can shoot Um, better than a kid that maybe shoots 68 and leading. And then all of a sudden he shoots 74 and then all of a sudden 81 and then you get a report from, oh, it was windy the last day, or, you know, I wasn't feeling good, or uh, coaches don't want to hear that. You know, they want to know just basically a pretty subjective sport, golf is. What'd you shoot? And um, 
And then the coach will make the decision from there. We're looking at, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old young men. And then we're kind of trying to predict what will they be like when they're 20. And, um, and, and that's kind of the, the, the game. Um, I've said this many times, Jay, you're going to be my tight end at Wake Forest University. Jay Delsum, I'm so excited about you. And you come to campus and all of a sudden you got the drops and you can't catch. You know what? Outside linebacker, Jay Dell. So <laughs> I can <laughs> I can do something with you, you know, special yep. teams or something. Yep. But we're only recruiting, like I said, one, two, three guys. And, man, all of a sudden the kid gets a bad lesson before he gets to school or he loses confidence or – Whatever it is, now you've got to try to work with that. And uh, um, sometimes they really surprise you how good they get. And then other times, um, I wouldn't say the word disappoint, but they, they kind of surprise you how, how weak they are or how, um, how they don't quite uh, meet up to standards as you'd like. And, um, you know, uh, I, I played a long time. You played a long time. We know we're going to have our ups and downs, but um, – you know, at least walk like a player, talk like a player, act like a player. Um, you got a better chance than if you just give in to any time a little something goes wrong. You know, Jared, so interesting because we both know we got punched in the nose. And it, it's interesting to see how you're going to react to that. And I have so many parents tell me, I don't know if I want Susie or I don't know if I want Joey to be disappointed. And I tell them, you got to go somewhere else. I, if you're not interested in being disappointed, I'm not interested in trying to work with your, your son or daughter. Right. That's a great point. And it's, um, it is, a it is probably the one sport that mimics life. You know, it, it really does. And we rolling along in life. Great. And then all of a sudden we have to deal with something and it's just like around the golf. My, uh, my uncle Bob Golby said it best one time. He said, every hole is like a crisis. <laughs> for in other words, you know, yeah. and it's true. You, you drive it in the right rough and now you're like, okay, is it going to jump? Is it not going to jump? So you got a decision to make. And then it's, you know, I hit it over the green and now do I bump it or do I flop it? Or, you know, it just never ends. It's decision after decision after decision. And you, you make decisions and you make wrong ones. You make correct ones. And it is, it is the greatest game of what if in my opinion, that ever, you know, if I'm in the trees and I go for it and I clip a branch and make triple, well, I say, God, what if I'd have just chipped out? I might've made par, but the worst bogey. And, but you don't think of that at the time. And, uh, and that's what makes it great. It, like you say, it punches you right in the nose and um, you got to be able to stand up and, and, and figure it out. And you go to bed with a bad round and you can't wait to get out of bed and get after it the next day. And, you know what? You didn't play great the next day and you just can't wait the next day to get up and get after it. So those are the ones that make it. Those are the ones that are successful. And I think we've, you and I especially have seen through the years, man, how does that guy beat me? You know, how is that guy? He he doesn't swing it very good. He doesn't look very good, but he just seems to get it in the hole. And then other guys, you're like, man, how's that guy not better than he is? He's pretty darn good. And so very intrinsic game, man. You got to dig deep and your parents are rooting for you and you, maybe your girlfriend or your wife or whoever it is, but, and your coach or, but not many. So you got to be your own best friend. <laughs> That's a great point. This is coach Jerry house at the men's wake forest golf team. And this is the UHY prep series. Jerry, I, I sit there and think, my gosh, you're talking to 15, 16, 17 year old kids trying to figure out what they're going to be like when they're 20. What could possibly go wrong? You know what I mean? You're like, how hard is this job that I have? 
Yeah, Lanny, Lanny Watkins told me that one time. He's like, man, you're you're crazy to have the you know have to deal with 18, 19, 20-year-olds all the time. I'm like, yeah, well, I love it. I love being around them. I, uh, I loved seeing, uh, in a way, living through them a little bit and hoping that they fulfill their dreams as, you know, college graduates and good enough after four years to give it a shot to play professional golf. And, uh, it, uh, and if not, you know, I've got a bulletin board full of here of former players and their families. And, um, you know, they're still great amateur players or the best player at their club. So, uh, you know, you still play, I still play. And I, I tell people all the time, they say, man, you, you play pretty well. I'm like, well, it's not like I just decided, you know, okay, I'm going to got a tournament coming up. I better stretch or whatever. I do it every single day of my life. Right. You know, I do the same routine. I stay loose. I stay, say I got a, you know, uh, that Scotty Scheffler golf forever stick and I stretch and I, and I work out and, you know, and then when you do go play, you don't forget how to play. You, you know how to handle each and and quite frankly, when you and I get to play, we're kind of uh, man. This is our time to go play. There's we're excited. We're we're uh, it's it's fun to be out there. It's not like oh man, not again. You know, it's uh, the game has not beaten me and it hasn't beaten you, which is uh, mentally I should say. So it, that's, that's I'm very proud of that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really something special, Jerry. Talk a little bit about what it means to a young guy to wear the Wake Forest. I mean, you guys have been perennial, you know, top 10 program forever. And it's a big deal now to get them to understand, hey, look at, I know your last name. For example, you've got your your young son Kyle playing now, and he would probably get it better than anybody. But you get a young man from Arizona or someplace from around the country, and now it's now you're wearing a Wake Forest brand. It's different. It, it is and it isn't, I guess. It's a little different, I would say. Um, and this is my 26th year, so times have changed. That's and amazing. Kids have changed. It is, and kids have changed. And, you know, I think this generation uh, recently is really looking for, you know, immediate gratification. And, and as you and I know, man, that does not happen in this game. I mean, you work six months sometimes to see a little results down the road. So, uh, you have to stay with them. You have to remain positive. You have to hope that they're listening. Uh, maybe give them just a little bit at a time to try to um, understand where we're trying to go. And uh, you, you mentioned Wake Forest, Coach Haddock, Jesse Haddock, legendary coach. And he um, he always wore long pants. And, um, you know, so we don't wear shorts. We still wear long pants. And his theory was that uh, – he had a player come in one time and said, I'd like, uh, like to wear shorts. And he said, uh-huh. You go back to your club and you ride your cart and you swill your beer and you shoot your 75 wearing your shorts. He said, Curtis, Strange, Lanny Watkins, they wear long pants and shoot 67s on Sunday. That was his quote <laughs> to this guy. So, <laughs> so we, we, we've kept that tradition a little bit. And you're right when – you know, I, I, I know facial hair. I want them to be clean cut. I want them to, to, to look like they're trying to be a professional, act like it, talk like it, walk like it. Um, you know, but yet I give them a lot of rope to, to be who they are. And, of course. um, it, it's, uh, it, it's good. You, it, it's funny. As you know, you play professionally at the highest level. The good players just seem to look like the good players. They walk like it. They talk like it. They, they dress like it, you know, they just look like they're in charge and that's kind of what you want. And that's, 
that's hard to get across to a kid that that's maybe not playing as good as he'd like or but um very important the um how you perceive yourself in this game dear my dad used to tell me all the time you always keep your chin up always keep your yep. chin up and man that's hard to do when you you know your first inclination when things aren't going your way is you put you know your shoulders kind of shrug a little and you look down yep and you want somebody to feel sorry for you and come over and give you a pat on the back and tell you it's all right and uh that didn't happen uh, in my house <laughs> no well that's that's hey and that's why you were successful that's why you made it to where you did that's why you were a great college player and a great pro and um you know you had success because you were taught at a young age um I, I heard something the other day about Tiger that his dad told him he stopped him when he was leaving for college. And he said, young man, when you return home to this house, you are no longer living here. You are a guest in my house. So basically he was telling him you're on your own. Now you're out there at college and you, you better make good decisions and figure it out. But when you come back here, you'll be my guest in this house. So, um, you know, very tough love obviously, but, uh, and hard for parents to do that. But, uh, it's necessary. And, and, and at the end of the day, if a kid can understand that and realize, oh, he's not just picking on me, he's trying to help me, those kids turn out to be pretty darn good. The ones that think, oh, well, coach doesn't like me or he, he's mad at me or that, you know, why did he say that? Then those are, they're a little bit softer and a little bit, um, um, I don't know, self-conscious is the word. They're, they're just uh, a little tougher to coach. So, But they're all different. you gotta, you got to treat them all a little different. Jerry, thank you so much for jumping on. This is fantastic. We'll stay in touch. I know you're going to have a great year. I can't wait to see how, how Kyle does. And, uh, and uh, just keep well and, and keep doing your thing. Keep growing the game. It's, it's always fun to talk to you. You too, Jay. And it's great to have this prep series um, that uh, gives you know young men and women a chance to play golf. And uh, – at, at the junior level, you got, like I said, all these tours, and um, it's fantastic to get support for it, and uh, it's done really well. I, I follow it, and uh, my son Kyle, as you mentioned, was a winner there. He, he won down in Pinehurst, so uh, it's been a great thing, and uh, thank you for being involved with that. I'm delighted to welcome the Amateur Players Tour to the Golf with Jay Delsing show. The APT team has worked so hard to establish a national golf tour for amateurs. Folks, don't miss out on this opportunity. If you love golf and ever wondered what all the fuss about tournament golf is, then this tour is for you. We just released the 2024 schedule and it is a beast. There's 21 events currently in the metropolitan st louis area with many more to come but check out these golf courses paynes valley ozark national stonewolf ambrier persimmon woods gateway national and a 36-hole event on norwood's west course and many more okay so the courses are certainly cool and nice but what's really neat is the way the events are run and how they are run the apt team does a fantastic job of closely monitoring handicaps and ensuring a good and fair competition. There are five divisions, a year-long points competition, major championships, elevated events, and much, much more. Right now, there are over 6,000 members in 41 different local chapters across the country. And all that's happened in just over five years. Join now and don't miss out on the best tournament golf in the country, run for amateurs, by amateurs themselves. Go to amateurplayerstour.com. 
That's AmateurPlayersTour.com. Get ready to watch the legends of golf up close when they compete at historic Norwood Hills Country Club right here in St. Louis. The Ascension Charity Classic will be back again with some of golf's biggest names. Steve Stricker, Padraig Harrington, John Daly, David Duvall, Bernard Longer, Ernie Els, and more will return September 3rd through the 8th at Norwood Hills. All tournament proceeds go to area charities serving North St. Louis County youth and families. Sponsorship opportunities, pro-am foursomes, and more information available for you at ascensioncharityclassic.com. Are you driving an out-of-warranty car? It's only a matter of time before your out-of-warranty vehicle is in the shop costing you thousands of dollars. Auto repair costs are up nearly 20% from last year, which is four times the rate of inflation. If an unexpected breakdown happened today, would you be ready for that? Well, now you can be with a plan through CarShield. Even if your car is just over three years old, it's still prone to expensive costs. Your car is more than just getting you from point A to point B. Traveling by car is a way of life. From picking up your kids to going to a new restaurant, cars are a daily essential. When you enroll in a car protection plan through CarShield, you can look forward to the following. The price will never go up no matter how many claims you file or no matter how high the mileage on your car increases. CarShield offers protection plans that start as low as $100 per month. That's $100 per month. They have repair coverage for up to 5,000 different parts of your vehicle. Plus, when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road, you get 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance. You also get complimentary towing and rental car options. CarShield has my back when my car breaks down, and they can have yours too. Call CarShield today at 800-465-6550 or visit carshield.com. It's CarShield, proud sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. This is Chris Nagel. And you're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. Darty Business Solutions has been enhancing the business of our customers for the last 37 years. How do we do it? Through our expertise in technology, better use of data and analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. We roll up our sleeves and collaborate. We build applications and effectively communicate with our partner clients to bring their goals and objectives to the finish line. Our award-winning Access Point program is a community game changer. With nearly 100 students in the program, mostly young African-American females are making between $55,000 and $60,000 per year right out of high school. That's right, $55,000 to $60,000 a year right after high school graduation. That's when they begin their training. CEO Ron Darty believes the talent is equally distributed, but access to that opportunity is not. So here's Access Point, providing more and more opportunity for those in and around our community. It's Darty Business Solutions.
This is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Sunday, as we head to Blues Hockey later today on 101, as well as the AFC and NFC Championship games will be heard here as well. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. I loved your visit there with Jerry Haas, who obviously has had a big place in golf here locally, Belleville area native, but also a big place collegiately you guys got into what a parent should do with a kid you know if they're getting recruited how to get found uhy prep series really does help that oh my gosh steve wedling and the and the the crew at uhy do so much for golf he loves the game of golf he's a member at bell reef but but he's he's just a lover of the game you know he's out there playing working on his game and and the fact that he's got his company behind it is really super cool we had um uh maxwell moldovan on uh from Ohio State, yeah, and he's he's got a, a a little nil deal with UHY, and so it's it's just it's super cool. So you got to check out the uh, UHY series. They've got some tournaments coming up. I know they've got something in Southern Cal, not too long. I think another one in Georgia. So, folks, get on the go on the web and check it out. It's it's awesome for junior golf. And if you have a youngster out there, this is where Jerry said he's like, oh, I pay attention. Oh, yeah. You know, golf is a different animal in how you get recruited. And, and a kid needs to be aggressive with the coach. And the coach has to be able to see places where you played against other competition or just how good the course is. All those kind of things play into the UHY prep series. Oh, Danny, for sure. I mean, think about this. If you go to, if you go and you're a kid and you're putting up these scores and they're on golf courses that you never heard of, but then all of a sudden you go over and say, pick a place, go to Oakmont where you have a series or Pinehurst or something like that, and you're over they're playing Pinehurst number two and you put up a little 68 that goes a long long way because that's a old classic golf course you got to golf your ball and um that's the wonderful thing about golf you know what I love what Jerry said if you're shooting the scores you'll get found that's right yeah and a lot of folks Danny think you got to play the these tours you know you got to be on this amateur tour all summer long and it can be pretty pricey man can Jerry, and, and this goes to you too, can you look at something on a video, just a phone, kid takes a video of his swing to where you say, you, you know within two swings, like, that, that kid can play. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it. Yeah, you you know about somewhere between 30 and 50%, okay? You can't measure heart. And that's what I love. And that's what we talk about all the time. Yeah. You know, our favorite athletes are the guys that they have sandpaper. If they need sandpaper, they get knocked down and they get back up. And that's what um, you can't measure there. But a golf swing, yeah, you can tell if a, this kid can hit it. Now, can he score? That's another thing because, you know, the, the golf swing itself, D, will probably never be worth more than 30 35% of your game. But you'd much rather have somebody that can hit it and have these other components because sure. then you might have a world beater. One thing about Jerry Haas, he's got it rolling at Wake Forest. They have not won a national championship yet. He will. But he's close. He and will. his son is going to play for him this year too. I know. Kyle Haas is a, a new part of that team. And, um, yeah, I, Jerry is such a fun guy. Denny, he's the sort of guy that if you and I were sitting in here with him, and let's say we had to wait, he would have a game going. He'd, go, he'd, <laughs> he'd like, put the trash can over there. You'd have, like, six balls. I'd have six. And be like, all right, now who can make this many shots 
banking it off a three wall. You know, something like that. He's just super fun guy. Very competitive. Obviously a great player as well. How good has the amateur game gotten, in your opinion, from uh, when you were playing to what we're seeing now yeah, these it's, days? It's like everything else, exponentially better. Yeah. I mean, the kids, the equipment, the the training. I mean, you look at him, uh, oh, and we got to talk about this. His, his caddy, and I, gosh, I forget uh, Nick Dunlop's caddy's name. He's got about a, a five-and-a-half-foot putt on the 18th green to win the tournament outright. And his caddy gives him one of the best – oh, man, I just can't stop smiling. His caddy walks up to him, and he looks at this putt, and then he goes, this putt is so easy your mama could make it. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said he just kind of grinned, and then so, and he goes – he goes, he was right. I mean, I know I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't feel my hands, but it was a left center putt and just hit it, you know? And Danny, that's one of the, when you're young and you can keep it said simple, yeah. you know, you're not thinking about your hands. You're not thinking about speed. You're just thinking, oh, it's left center. Just hit it. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Herrig, and he has a new book out on Tiger Woods. We're also going to get into Live and the PGA Tour and what's the latest with that. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Powers Insurance and Risk Management is a family-owned local business that's been helping our community for over 200 years. In the always confusing world of insurance, Powers Insurance provides clarity, exceptional service, and the latest in cutting edge products to deliver the highest quality in property and casualty coverage, as well as strategic planning consultation services. Powers Insurance and Risk Management will partner with you. That's right, partner with you to customize the right coverage for you and your family. Tim Davis, the Chief Operations Officer, will personally sit down and talk you through the ins and outs of your policies. They are experts at helping you control your workplace expenses, and helping to guarantee the safety of you and your employees and their needs. You can visit them at powersinsurance.com. That's powersinsurance.com for all of your insurance needs. For the best in Italian cuisine in St. Louis, look no further than Paul Mano's, located in Chesterfield. It's traditional Italian cooking, and their best ingredient, it's their tradition. It's cooking like Paul's grandmother used to make and like his mother still prepares today. There are no corners cut at Paul Mano's. From greeting you at the door to the pasta you'll share with your family, Paul Mano's is committed to bringing you their very best anytime you share a meal at their place. It's Paul Mano's located in Chesterfield. Hey, this is Jay Delsing, and we golfers are always looking for ways to improve our games. For me, that means I want the very best and the very latest in equipment and in technology. The place for me is Pro-Am Golf in Brentwood. Tom DeGrand opened Pro-Am Golf Center in 1975, and ever since then, he and his family have provided St. Louis with the finest in golf equipment, instruction, and the latest in the ever-changing world of golf technology. Whether you are a scratch golfer looking to find the latest in range finders or a newcomer looking to find your first set of clubs, Pro-Am Golf has just what you're looking for. You say you're looking to get yourself custom fitted for a new set of clubs, you need to call TJ. He has fit me personally and he is the best in town. If you mention my name, CJ will take 50% off the already low fitting price. So if you need anything from golf balls to a new pair of shoes or a lesson from Tom, who by the way, has been helping St. Louisans play better golf for over 45 years, 
Pro-Am Golf in Brentwood is the place for you. You can also visit them at ProAmUSA.com. That's Pro-Am Golf. This is Adam Betts from Family Golf and Learning Center located in Kirkwood. Our motto is play your best golf. We have the best instruction for every skill level. Two female instructors along with our eight PGA instructors. We're there for the kids and the adults who are starting to play and trying to refine their game. Family Golf and Learning Center features a double-decker driving range, grass tees, and a short game area, along with indoor simulators and a performance center. That's not all. Don't forget about our back nine, Bar and Grill. Find out how we can help you and your family. Head to FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. It's Family Golf and Learning Center, where we make St. Louis better at golf. Golf with Jay Delsing rolls on on a Sunday morning on 101 ESPN. Our chance to visit with Bob Herrig, author of Drive, The Lasting Legacy of Tiger Woods. Also, Bob has been involved with the PGA Tour, looking at live golf, reporting on the game of golf for many, many years. And, Bob, we appreciate your time, and thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's uh, start with the book. I I just want to know... Why write a Tiger Woods book? What what got in your mind? What got in your crawl to to go ahead and do something like this? And Bob, I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, you know, it started right after Tiger won the Masters in 2019. I just thought it was such an incredible story. The comeback from the back surgery, which had only occurred two years before. And then, you know, he, he the following year, he's got this remarkable year where he actually wins the tour championship uh, and yet, and, and actually contended a couple of majors, but there was no guarantee that he would ever win one again. And so I kind of had this on my mind to do something on that. And then I, I ended up going down a different road where I, I, I wrote about the tiger Phil rivalry. And so that book came out a couple of years ago. I started looking ahead to five years out from Tiger's win, which is now, believe it or not. This this Masters is five years since Tiger won his 15th. And I sort of expanded the idea. And the idea is, you know, Tiger, we know his great talent. We know all of his great wins. We know the records. It's phenomenal. But what was sort of behind it? And, you know, what was behind it was his drive. It was his resiliency. Um, and obviously coming back from the back surgery is just one example. And I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of information on actually what he went through and, and how that all evolved. And, but you know, you go back to the beginning I and mean, Tiger shot 40 for his first nine holes in his first masters as a pro, you know, a, a lot of us would, would, would have a hard time overcoming that given all the hype that he had been through leading up to that. You know, even as a 21-year-old, Tiger was like a pre-tournament favorite. He'd won three times. He'd only won once that year. That there was enormous pressure. And then he goes out and shoots 40 and comes back and shoots 30 and wins by 12. I mean, I I just think it was uh, maybe sort of an example, an early example of what he had inside to dig it out. And uh, so that's sort of the, the evolution of the book. And and there's numerous examples of that. And there obviously his cut streak is another good one coming back at Torrey Pines to win when he, when he had the bad knee and the bad leg. And then even the most recent comeback from the car crash. 
You know, just the fact that he's he's made the cut twice at the Masters after that is pretty remarkable. Bob, you know, for someone that got to see up at, up close and personal what it was like, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head here. There's competitive guys on the PGA Tour. Hell, we're all really uber competitive. What Tiger has is so exceptional. You know, Bob, I never saw him give up on any sort of shot. I don't care if it's an 80-foot putt for triple bogey, which he didn't have nearly as often as some of us others did, but he, he just, he never gave up on anything. He didn't. And, and I mean, look, it's kind of human nature. Um, you know, like just for the, the cut story or the cut streak, 142 in a row, basically seven years of made cuts. I mean, you know, Jay, there'd be a Friday probably when you're, you just don't feel like you have it. You know, your mind starts to wander. You think, you know, it'd be kind of nice to get home. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get home and work on my game and figure it out for next week. You know, and, and, and in your mind, the, the flight schedule's coming up or, you know, you just, I mean, and this, this happens. It's just kind of how we are. It's how, how, how people are. I mean, you try to sort of justify why, all right, I'll look at the good in this. I don't have it this week. I'm not going to make it. Tiger, like, you have to figure there were, a dozen, two dozen times where he just did not have it, where his game wasn't there, he was searching, and he somehow figured out a way to get to the weekend. And, you know, his 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 line over the years has been, you can't win if you're not here. And that's how, you know, that's how he thought. He thought, if I can get to the weekend, no matter how back far, far back I am, I can still win. You know, it's interesting, Bob, when you look at the win percentage, that's another thing that is really exceptional because the greatest, well, there's the story and the, and the conjecture about who's the greatest player of all time, but Jack's winning percentage was just under 10% and Tiger's winning percentage, and, and I have not looked at it in a couple of years, but it was somewhere around 24% back when he was playing mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, that is... That, that that's leaps and bounds. It's not easy to win on the PGA Tour, especially, you know, when you were mentioning back surgery, Bob, he had fusion surgery. That was considered the career ender. Right. It certainly could have been. There's a reason he didn't have it right away uh, because he was, you know, he was trying to band-aid it. You know, he was trying to get by without having such a serious surgery and there was obviously concerns that he couldn't come back from it, uh, and 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 it was almost it was almost a surgery of last resort, and it was really more about his life, his his you know his standard of living. He was in such pain, and and he just had such trouble getting around and everything that he wanted you know to find some quality of life, and 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 to think that that basically. But seven months after that surgery, he played in the Bahamas, played a tournament. He, he followed up. He played Torrey Pines in, in the spring or in, in that January. I mean, he was making – he didn't make the cut at Riviera, which has always sort of been a bit of a difficult venue for him. But he was making cuts. He was competitive. It's crazy. You know, and, and that is, you're right, it is not, is, we're not just talking about back surgery. We're talking about a, a thing that would put most people on the shelf for a long time. Um, the recovery time from that is, is long. I mean, you come out of that and you are not feeling good uh, for a while. 
And look, let's be honest, and I address it in there. You know, he had an issue. Uh, what six weeks later, he had the DUI. It was was where it was pres- prescription drugs, where he was found by the side of the road. And you know, Tigers never really talked about it, but you can probably put two and two together and recognize that you know he was in pain. He he was dealing with the aftermath of that surgery, and that was in like late May. And so to think that six months after that, he's swinging a golf club at the at the speed that he swings and and competitive is is really remarkable. Bob Herrig is our guest, author of Drive: The Lasting Legacy of Tiger Woods. There are so many chapters that have not been written for Tiger thus far. Drive is part of his legacy. What what else do you think it is at this point as he approaches the age of fifty? Well, I mean, I I think his legacy might be complicated. Frankly, you know, I I was I was uh, sort of delving into the golf side of his legacy, uh, and you know, but I mean, I think there's a chance that there could be a elder statesman legacy or a you know, a big mover and shaker and what's going on in golf right now with Liv and the PJ Tour and the framework agreement. You know, Tiger has a big role in that. Um, also, you know, it, it's complicated by some of the things that have occurred in his personal life. You know, like we'll always wonder, uh, how might how might Tiger have fared had those things not occurred? Uh, you know, the, the, the scandal uh, impacted him for a couple of years. You know, he did not win from 2009 until 2012. Uh, then he started getting injured. You know, he, he went five years from 13 to, to 18 without a win. And then he managed to win three more times. But like, what would have happened if Tiger had been healthy during all that time? You know, it's fair to wonder. I mean, could he have caught Jack? Could he have got to 90 or 95 PGA Tour wins? I mean, these are all things that we're sort of left to wonder ba- based on based on that. So I, I think his legacy is a bit complicated in, in many ways. Bob, I couldn't agree with you more. And for me personally, I think he blows Jack's uh, major record out of the water and he wins over 100 PGA Tour events. I really do. Especially in 2010 when the the, the Open Championship was back at St. Andrews. The, the um, U.S. Open was at uh, Pebble Beach. And he had just, remember, in 2009, he just had come off of 10 worldwide wins. I mean, I, I uh, oh my gosh, I when I think about that and, and think about what he's been through, you, you know, Bob, one thought comes to mind. We've, we've, the two best players in the last 25 years on the PGA Tour have brought more drama to the PGA Tour than the entire, ex, our entire existence prior to this. Yeah, it's really pretty amazing, and uh, you know, I I can make an argument that 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 Tiger could have caught Jack if things had gone right. Uh, you know, based on you know, like what you said, 2010, great opportunities. You know, Augusta obviously finished fourth, U.S. Open fourth, didn't have his game, and 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 the Open was at St. Andrews, you know, where he had won the previous two times. Uh, missed opportunity because he because of all that had gone on. Um, on the other hand, Jack didn't have the rival. He didn't have the record to chase. And 19 seconds in, in majors. You wonder how Jack, maybe how many more he would have won. I'm not saying Jack wasn't motivated. But, you know, when he, in, in, when he got to, you know, 12, 14 majors in that range, um, he, he didn't even realize who he was chasing. <laughs> you know, he passed, he passed Bobby Jones when he throw in the amateurs, he, 
who had 13 if you if you include his amateurs. He passed Walter Hagen. I'm not even sure there was any fanfare about passing Walter Hagen. You know, and and you know, Jack might have added on a few more had he thought about really trying to to set that big. You know, he in in his in when he got into his 40s, he was while he still played, he he was delving into other things a lot. Tiger really didn't do that. You know, Tiger was still fairly committed to golf, and uh, and, and yet uh, was really waylaid by injuries, which Jack was not. Bob, we had Jack on the show, and then had some of the his constituents that were Tom Watson, Lee Trevino, some of these guys on the show, and we asked that question. And and Andy North had one of the best quips about that, and it it it, it concurs almost exactly with what you said. Jack was more of that trailblazer. He what didn't have his set, sights set on anything other than, you know, just trying to win as many as he could. Absolutely. I, I think there's a lot to that. And, uh, uh, you know, I, it's, um, it, it's fun to talk about, interesting to, to consider, you know, um, you know, who's the greatest or who's the best. I mean, Jack has the best record. I think Tiger faced better competition. Um, I wonder how Tiger would have fared. Let's say there was never a change to the type of equipment Tiger's played with. I think Tiger's even more dominant because his skill level, it, 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 the, the equipment kind of evened the playing field a little bit. And, uh, you know, it brought people closer to him. You know, if he'd have been hitting a wooden driver and a lot of golf balls, he, he might have won even more. I, I think, and you could say the same for Jack in his time, with the equipment advances that he was able to take advantage of that helped others probably more than him. So there's so many aspects to all of that that's uh, that's really kind of fun to get into. Bob, how did you dig in the information for the book and getting to people that maybe knew Tiger both professionally, personally, those kind of things, but just the research that went into the book? Yeah, you know, a lot of it was from. Uh, reporting that I've done over the years, having been been at all these things, I I actually have been very fortunate. I have not missed a, a Tiger major win, um, and I've probably been to more than half of his tour wins. So, you know, I have a you know sort of a, a database of of everything that occurred, and uh, and so I just went back and talked to the people that were involved. You know, I got Hank Haney and Butch, and I talked to Sean Foley, his coaches. Um, you know, I went back to those people that played in the Masters with him in 97, like Faldo and Monty, uh, Paul Azinger, uh, you know, obviously the 2008 U.S. Open. So I just sort of did it that way. Now, the, if there's any news in the book, I mean, I think when you read it, there's things that you will – that you will um, be jarred into your memory, you might have forgot, you know. But if there's anything new, it's I, I kind of try to dive into like what he went through to have that back surgery, like how dire it was, how it all came about. He actually went to London to consult with some people. Um, you know, they determined how bad things were. They made a recommendation to a place in Texas, which is where he had the surgery. Um, there's been a couple of other people that have had it. Um, uh, you know, and, um, there's a guy named Greg Owen who, uh, who played the tour for a while. He's in his fifties. Now he's trying to play champions tour golf. He's from England. Um, he went to the same doctor to have the same surgery because he was in the same immense pain 
And uh, he was very good talking about it. I mean, you know, the doctor can't really talk about personal stuff. Um, Tiger's never really gone, gone that deep on it. You know, there is what he has said. But that, that's, sort of, that's sort of the main, you know, crux of, of how I got to where I needed to be. Bob, when I turned 50, I had um, back surgery. I had a microdisectomy that was considered a failure. And then that's when I learned that there's something called failed back surgery syndrome, which is kind of a thing doctors made up, I believe, to kind of hoop in all of the things that happen to you after it doesn't work. And their next suggestion was the fusion. And I have yeah. never had it done because I was petrified that it would, you know, I wouldn't be able to play anymore. Right. Yeah. I don't blame you. I, I think, I think that, uh, that's the fear, but, but I mean, in the case of tiger and, and certainly I know, uh, Greg Owen, their quality of life was so bad that they felt like they had no choice. You know, like it, it, it wasn't about golf, you know, it was about, this is so bad that, I can't live properly if I don't get some relief. And, um, and so, you know, it, it, I, I, I do think that these doctors try to try to manage it so that you don't go through this. You don't have to have a spinal fusion. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it ends up being sort of the, the, uh, the, the last resort for some people. And, uh, yeah, I think makes it even more remarkable that came tiger came out of that and won a couple more times, including a major. Bob, while we have you, and I know a few more minutes before we need to let you go, where does the, the PGA Tour and live stand in, in your reporting, you're around it, you're talking to people in and around the scene? Where are we right now with trying to get a merger for these two? Everything I hear is they're working towards it, um, you know, that they, are, that they are keen on getting something done. I think a, a good number of people on both sides of this now recognize that the game's in a bad spot if there's not a deal because they're going to go their separate ways. And you're going to have, you're going to have only a few times a year where you're going to see a guy like John Rom playing against Scotty Scheffler. Now we can, we can delve into, you know, that was Rom's choice. And, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I have no problem with anybody who hates live or, or, or thinks that the PGA tour made mistakes. I get all that, but I mean, now we've gotten to this point where they've got this in front of them where they're trying to make it work. And, and I think we'll be better off if that happens, because if they go separate, you know, you've, you've just got you've got a tough situation that I don't think is very amenable to to, to having a worldwide game and, and where we're all, you know, cheering on the best players all the time. And now how they work this out. You know, good luck. It is a monumental chore, a, d a difficult task to figure out a plan that brings them together in this for-profit entity, but also keeps the PGA Tour nonprofit intact. Bob, How I don't work that out is 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 quite the challenge. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I I just don't see, um, I I, I don't see a way that that if if we leave the Saudis out. They'll just keep throwing more and more money at this thing and keep stealing players. I think the John Rahm um, coup, for lack of a better word, was the shout across the bow that said, hey, I know we had this gentleman's agreement that we weren't going to take anybody before the 31st of the year, but 
you're leaving us out of these conversations. We need some action. And I was hoping, Bob, something before Augusta, but I just love your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope it happens before Augusta also. The longer this goes, the harder it is to get something done for next year. And I don't know that we want to go another year with it divided. Um, and I agree. Look, there's two ways to look at this. And I've written I've written both these at SI. You, one is if, if, the, if, the, if they have an agreement, then the sides come together and the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, backs off on this poaching of players because in theory there'd be some plan by where they play together again bryson has just talked about it like he's like you know we need to come together uh we need to we we need to be playing together how how that looks we don't know but what it does is for the for for live let's say live is folded in in some way i don't know how it would work would they would they lower their number of events they'd have to change their structure so guys could come on and off the tour you know other people could play in these team events, but that would then uh, possibly enhance the value of those teams. And those teams would be a profit center for this new entity, which needs to make money because it's a for-profit entity with billions in investment. So that all of a sudden becomes something where maybe an owner wants to do it. If they don't make a deal, I think it's very hard for Liv to prosper because they're going to be considered an outlier they're not going to be part of the golf ecosystem it's going to be you know are they ever going to get world ranking points is there would there still be a stigma with them you see it today you know you know there's 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 people that just do not like it they hate what they've done and so they'll never accept it they need the acceptance they need tv windows frankly they don't they don't have them right now you know uh you know the, uh, the next week when they play their first event in Mexico, it's up against Pebble Beach. You know, uh, well, wh- what are you going to watch? I mean, are you going to go back and forth? Are you going to watch Pebble Beach? I mean, it, it's not a it's not as strict. We're going to just watch live. And whereas if they had a deal, well, maybe who's ever the broadcast partners show live until four o'clock Eastern time. And then they go to the tour event and, it, and they become all together. So that's why I think a deal is necessary. I think both sides suffer if there's no deal. Bob, uh, before we let you go, Bob Herrig, author of Drive, The Lasting Legacy of Tiger Woods. Best way to get your book and the release date? I know golf fans are very curious about that. I just think the easiest way is to go through Amazon. Most people, you know, who have that get get free delivery. It usually comes in a day. The release date is March 26th. It's two weeks before the Masters. And uh, I think the timing is nice because I think we'll be talking about Augusta event. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, I think we're expecting Tiger to play. Uh, and obviously, uh, we're, we're curious to see how he looks once again. Absolutely. Hey, Bob, thank you so much. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll catch up soon again. Excellent. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Enjoyed it. Thanks so it. much, Bob. Safe travels. Bob Herrick, author of Drive, The Lasting Legacy of Tiger Woods. Redbird Heating and Cooling sponsors the Veterans Vocational Apprenticeship Program. Jed Dickinson, CEO and retired Navy man, will teach, mentor, and sign off on educational and mechanical work hours to help you get fully licensed 
while you work and get paid for the company. What a great way to launch your career as a fully licensed HVAC specialist. Call Redbird Heating and Cooling today. That's 314-320-9507. That's Redbird Heating and Cooling. Family Golf and Learning Center, no matter your age or skill level, Family Golf and Learning Center, located in Kirkwood, has something for you. They've got it all. PGA and LPGA instruction, double-decker driving range, par-3 golf course, trackman simulators, a large short-game green design to help you with all your shots around the green, bunkers, rough, and Zoysia fairway pitching. And now open the Tahoma Bermuda Grass Tees, the best turf to hit from in St. Louis. It's all at Family Golf and Learning Center. To schedule a lesson or to find out more, visit FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. Family Golf and Learning Center. We make St. Louis better at golf. Okay, so you've been hearing me talk about one of our community's greatest contributors and most philanthropically inclined companies. Yes, of course, I'm talking about Marcone the largest distributors of General Electric compliance parts in North America. Did you know that Marcone is also the largest and most trusted supplier of commercial and residential appliance parts, HVAC, plumbing, commercial kitchens, pools, and spas? Also, all of that in North America. Their most recent endeavor, the Reese Across America program, was a huge success. In case you don't recall, 10,000 Rees were placed on the grave sites of our fallen heroes across several of our veteran cemeteries around our great country. Marcone is committed to supporting our first responders, all of the branches of the military and service for our military, and our police and firefighters. Marcone, here for you and your family, as well as your community. That's Marcone. Heading down the stretch on Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN, coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, always presented by Darty Business Solutions with Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Our thanks to Bob Herrig, who was uh, part of the show in our last segment, a chance to visit with him, longtime writer with SI and ESPN, author of uh, Drive, The Lasting Legacy of Tiger Woods. There was a lot to get into, but I forgot the 40 on the front with the first yep. Tigers Masters. Yep. Amazing. Just a 40 on the front and then just turns it around and turns everything around and wins the Masters. Yeah, shot 30 on the back and won by 12. So wow. he shoots four over par D, his first nine holes, and then laps the, beats the field by 12. How about the cut streak? 142 in a row. Basically I remember seven years. He was up at, it was up at Royal Montreal where I think it all broke down. And um, it's incredible. I mean, it's just incredible. Jack um, never had anything like that, you know, and um, I don't think Jack necessarily cared, but it was interesting what Bob said about when you would you try to compare the two, and I I think it's futile, right, to compare the two. So much difference. It's just fun for us nerds. I like you and I will sit around and do that in other sports too. You know, talk about Bob Gibson in relation to the pitchers nowadays. It's it's just a joke. It but, is. Um, it's 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 um, what Tiger has is this it factor, and Bob's calling it drive. It's just this this thing. That you know what it is, but you don't really know how to describe it. How do you think he fares? As Bob said, he's going to release the book a couple of weeks before the Masters, and it looks like he's playing better. Yep, His swing looks better. He looks healthier physically. Right. How do you think he fares in this upcoming Masters? 
Can you can you put a definition uh, on that? Not yet. You know, D, it's going to be really interesting. I think his first tournament's going to be L.A. L.A. Genesis. Open, the Genesis. You know, so he's going to release this new clothing clothesline that we're all expecting it to be with TaylorMade. It's called Sunday Red. Super cool. I can't wait to see it. He's never had a good record at Riviera. He's he's missed cuts there before. He's never won the tournament. It's, so it's going to be interesting. But most of the golf courses, D, on the West Coast, super easy to walk. Now, weather, I thought he might, even though it's kind of a cluster, thought he might start at Waste Management. I do too. Because, D, that's, you've been out there a hundred times. Like I, It's flat as a pancake, easy to walk, usually warm, you know, and that warmth comes in handy when he you know we saw him last year i'll never forget that image sitting down watching with you and he is struggling to even walk at the masters uh, at, the, at augusta and it yeah. was cold and 45 and rainy and you're like this isn't going to be good but we're going to get a good indication he played two weeks in a row or t- maybe two out of three weeks with the pnc with uh Charlie, and then his tournament down in the Bahamas, and he looked really good. He walked, he walked the four rounds in the Bahamas, and he, he looked pretty good. That's a flat golf course as well, and so I think this is going to be more about his stamina and how he could get this built up so that it's not taxing taxing on his mental side, Danny, because I think it just wore him out the the stuff just to make the cut. He was, you know jumping through as many hoops as he could. It's incredible how he's come back from these injuries as we wrap it up. The fact is, he's a pro athlete, not just a golfer, but a pro athlete. And when you think about the torque on the body, the back, the core, what he has to do with walking, what he's had to do with his legs, yep. it's it's kind of hard to imagine what he's been through and still being able to compete on a high level. Right, Danny, spot on. And here's, well, here's a huge uh, differentiator, folks. And when Tiger says this, I'm not sure if you know what he's talking about or catch it. But he says there's a massive difference between rehabbing and training. So when he's rehabbing, he's trying to get his body ready just to try to play. When he's training, he's doing golf-specific work on his game. And if you get that man training, look out. I mean, I want him to win. I don't know what I want him to win. I'll, I want him to win anything. It's good for the game. Awesome. Good for the, for the game. game. You and I will be jumping up and down that's for sure our thanks to the stl tax lawyer that is mark milton we had the business side of sports jerry haas belleville area native and the head coach at wake forest on the uhy prep series bob herrig as well on the new book coming out on tiger woods fun show jay danny thanks for being with me and with us and i'll see you next week how do we end the show hit us straight st louis our kids have said to us since we moved to minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.